Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor John Gable delivers the message entitled, Speaking for God, Christ the Priest. So join us now from the sanctuary of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab. Friends, this first Sunday of Advent, we are reminded that we anticipate the arrival of Jesus. It also reminds us that the one who loves us so much that he would leave the glories of heaven to walk among us is the one to whom we confess. So as a church, we are able to offer our prayers of confession assured that they are offered, offered to our greatest source of love. So let us confess together. Holy God, you know every thought of our hearts, every word that we speak, every temptation that attacks us. The sins and weaknesses of each of us are so different, yet we confess that they are very much the same. We confess our brokenness and sin sickness and admit our inability to heal ourselves. We pray your forgiveness, Lord. Give us the courage to face our need and to receive your mercy and grace that we may be the people you call us to be. This we pray together and in the silence of our hearts in the name of the one who came into the world to save sinners, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear this assurance of pardon. We have a great high priest who passes through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God who was tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. If you would stand with me, we will affirm our faith together using words from the Heidelberg Catechism. This we believe about the forgiveness of our sins, that for the sake of Christ's reconciling work, God will no more remember my sins or the sinfulness which I have to struggle all my life long, but that he graciously imparts to me the righteousness of Christ so that I may never come into condemnation. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Our first scripture reading this morning is from the book of Hebrews, beginning at chapter 4, verse 14, reading through chapter 5, verse 10. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace in, <clears throat> to help in our time of need. Every high priest chosen from among the mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. 
He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward since he himself is subject to weakness. And because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as those for all the people. And one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also, Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson this morning is also from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, and if I can have that text back, I would appreciate it. <laughs> That's the one, thank you. Yep. Uh, the book of Hebrews is unique in Scripture. Uh, it is not a gospel. It's not a narrative. It's not poetry. Uh, it doesn't really tell the story of Jesus, but rather it reads uh, kind of like an argument a treatise. What the writer of Hebrews is doing is he's laying out the superiority of Christ. And so throughout the book, he'll compare Christ to the angels and saying Christ is superior. Uh, Christ to Moses, Christ is superior. Christ to the law, Christ to the high priest, the section that we're reading today. All to say that all that has gone before Christ, before Jesus, was in preparation for Jesus, and now Christ fulfills that and exceeds that. So we pick up our second lesson, still in the book of Hebrews, now in chapter 9, where he speaks specifically to this. Again, we listen to the word of God. But when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once and for all into the holy place, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls with the sprinkling of the ashes of a heifer sanctifies those who have been defiled so that their flesh is purified, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, Purify our conscience from dead works to worship the living God. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance because a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions under the first covenant. Amen. And let us pray. Lord, thank you for the faithfulness of your word to us and for the way it is fulfilled for us in Christ. 
Now may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, for Lord, it is you and you alone we desire to please, and that through Christ our Lord. Amen. If you were to look for an answer to the question we've been asking around here recently, who is Jesus Christ and what did he come to do, my, my guess is you would begin in the New Testament and likely there in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the answer that you would get there is accurate to be sure, but it's not necessarily complete. And even the writers of the Gospels or the New Testament letters would say the same, that there is more to be said about him than they are able to say. It's kind of like the story of the five blind men who were trying to describe an elephant. Each was only able to describe what they could touch and touch for themselves. So a great wall, a ragged tail, a massive leg, a huge trunk. Each correct, of course, but each incomplete in and of itself. So we recall that we are people of the book, Old Testament and New Testament, often referred to as the Hebrew Bible, which in fact, the Old Testament was the Bible that Jesus would have known, Jesus would have used as a practicing Jew. So the New Testament's answer to our question, who is this Jesus? would likely be along the lines of, well, he is the promised Messiah. He is our Savior and Lord. But then using Old Testament terminology of answering the very same question, we might refer to him as being our prophet, priest, and king. Language that we have heard in the Westminster Confession of Faith, written in the middle 17th century. Is one true and the other not? No. Let us rather say that one answers or fulfills that which was spoken of in the former. The New Testament, we believe, fulfills the promises given in the Old Testament. Recall Jesus saying, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So in recent weeks, as we've explored this idea, we have seen that Jesus is the prophet of God, the one who speaks to us on God's behalf. We've seen that he is the great king, the one who comes to initiate, to inaugurate, to fulfill the promise of the kingdom of God. So this morning, we'll reflect on what does it mean to say that Jesus is our priest. The 25th question of the Shorter Catechism asks, how does Christ execute the office of priest? And the answer is given, Christ executes the office of priest in his once offering up of himself as a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice and reconcile us to God and in making continual intercession for us. And that's what I want to talk with you about this morning. Think with me for a moment. What is your deepest desire in your spiritual life. I guess most of us would say it is to enjoy an intimate and authentic relationship with God, to live our lives in accordance with his will and purpose, to be able to worship him in truth and confidence, for our family members and friends to enjoy that same kind of relationship with God as well. It is safe to say that this is the desire of the 
hearts of people of faith for centuries, through the ages. But the problem is there is a barrier which keeps us from enjoying that kind of intimate, authentic relationship with God. It's a barrier we know as sin. And by sin, we mean a fundamental brokenness, a, a disharmony in our relationship with God, but also in our relationships across the board, our relationships with one another, our relationships even with the way we look at ourselves, our relationships with the creation around us. And try as we may, there's really nothing that we can do to heal that brokenness. Of course, we can try to be good as we know we should, but we know all too well that our feeble efforts at self-help merely deal with the symptoms of this sin sickness. They don't really deal with the core of the disease. So unable to heal ourselves, we need something. We need someone to fix what is broken in us. We need something or someone to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, namely, to restore us into a right relationship with God. So in our Old Testament, we understand that the solution given, the means given to restore that relationship is the systems of sacrifice. And it focuses on the work of the priests, and most specifically, the work of the high priest. I know we're at least familiar in some ways with the sacrificial system and how it worked. The people would come to the priest, uh, perhaps on a daily basis, and uh, confess their sins. The priest then hearing the confession would determine what kind of sacrifice needed to be offered, a bull, a goat, a dove. He would then sacrifice the animal on the altar for the forgiveness of sins, and the priest, in effect, would be then serving in a dual capacity as mediator and intercessor, speaking on behalf of the people to God, seeking God's forgiveness, then turning around and speaking to the people on behalf of God, extending that forgiveness, of course, a forgiveness that only God can give. So that daily function of the temple priest was then uh, highlighted in a different way. Once a year, by the work of one called the high priest. It was a special responsibility. Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest, now not representing any one individual person, but the whole community, would enter into the most sacred place in the temple, an inner sanctum called the Holy of Holies, the place where it was believed God actually lived among his people. Dating back to the time of Moses and the 40-year sojourn in the wilderness, no one was allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies save this high priest and him only once a year. And knowing the the sacredness of that space, before entering, the high priest would go through an elaborate ritual of sacrifice and purification because he would be carrying not only the sins of the people but his own sins into the presence of a holy God. And so every year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would take two animals, perfect animals, And in the presence of all the people, he would sacrifice the first to the Lord as a sin offering, believing that the life 
that life was in the blood and that blood needed to be shared and shed for the forgiveness of sins. He would then lay his hands upon the head of the second animal, generally a goat, and there would confess all of the sins of this community of people and then transfer those sins onto this animal, mark the animal, and cast it out into the wilderness, away from the community. That animal would come to be called the scapegoat. This is the high priest's function. In this community, he performed this act of service once a year, year in and year out, as the means to deal with a sin problem that restored this people into a new and right relationship with God. But the problem was, it was temporary. It was provisional. It was only effective for a brief time until the people sinned again or, in fact, until the priests sinned again. I always thought it was kind of ironic and certainly self-defeating that if the high priest was to walk out of the Holy of Holies and think to himself, you know, I really performed that sacrifice very well this year. The sin of pride. And the clock starts again until next year. So, as New Testament readers, as Christians, I'm not sure we completely understand or agree with or even um, appreciate how much the sacrificial system worked. We find it rather gruesome and distasteful, but we do understand the need, don't we? We know what it feels like to be cut off from God, and we know what it feels like to uh, need a means to deal with the brokenness of our relationships, the way we view ourselves, the way we view one another, the way we view the world around us. We know about that disharmony, that disjuncture in our lives. As John Stott writes, we don't need more rules, we need deliverance. We don't need education, we need a change of heart. We don't need, we need power, not advice. We need spiritual power. We need a Savior. Enter Jesus Christ as the great high priest who came not to abandon this ancient sacrificial system of dealing with sinfulness, but to fulfill it, to perfect it, to make it superior, to complete it and lasting. Jesus is our great high priest. This is what we read in the book of Hebrews. This is why we need to spend time in this book periodically to take this Old Testament concept and see how it is fulfilled. So this morning, I'm going to point to three statements that the passages we read this morning speak of the high priest Jesus. First, he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Just as the sinful people could not enter into a holy of holies but needed the high priest to act on their behalf, neither can we, a sinful people, enter into the presence of a holy God. So Christ has gone before us as our representative, our mediator, our intercessor. He has paved the way for our salvation. In our faithful imagination, we can picture Jesus standing before the throne of God, offering up our broken condition and receiving God's forgiveness on our behalf. 
He faces God on our behalf, for as we read in Hebrews, he understands us in our weakness, for he has been tested as we are yet without sin. And then he turns towards us, and having received the forgiveness by the penalty of his own body, offers that forgiveness of God to all who turn to him in faith. That's exactly why we offer a prayer of confession as we come into worship in the morning. We offer our prayer of confession. We receive a promise of Scripture, God's assurance of pardon, and we sing in response, Glory be to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the work that Christ has done for us. Do you remember in the Gospel writers telling that when Jesus was crucified, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom? Do you know what curtain, what veil they're talking about? It was the veil, the curtain, that hung outside the door of the Holy of Holies, saying you can't come into this place. Only a high priest can. And in his crucifixion, the, to the, the, the curtain, the veil was torn, as if to say now all can enter because of what Christ has done for us. That's the first. The second, he has done for us this act once and for all, Whereas the sacrifice of the old covenant needed to be repeated annually, the sacrifice of the new covenant in Christ is once and for all. We read in Hebrews 9, he entered once and for all into the holy place, not with the blood of goats, not with the blood of calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal salvation. So whereas the old covenant was temporary, it was provisional, it was transitory, the new covenant in Christ is timeless, it's permanent, it's eternal. So I wonder with you, what of what we do, what of what is around us is temporal and what of it is eternal? Well, everything around us is passing away. This building, this sanctuary, these people, these are not the things we are to hold on to. The only thing around us here that is eternal and timeless is our worship of God. And so we must follow our great high priest, not just into this sanctuary, but into the sanctuary that will never decay. Not just to surround ourselves with this people, but with a people who will never pass away in order to worship the God whose mercy is eternal. The third means by which Jesus, the great high priest, secures our salvation is with his own blood, not the blood of animals. In the ancient system of sacrifices established that there was life in the blood that someone or something had to die to deal with the brokenness of sin, and so Jesus fulfilled that old covenant when he assumed the part of that sacrificial lamb, the perfect sacrifice, and willingly laid down his life for our sakes in order to restore us into a right relationship with God. Do you remember in the Gospel of John, John the Baptist sees Jesus for the first time and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. If you're looking for a good way to describe who Jesus is and what he came to do, that's the perfect answer. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world.
And why did he do it? Because of his great love for us. We read in Romans, God proves his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did it because even more than we desire it, God desires us to be restored into a right relationship with him, an unbroken relationship. Not just for an instant, not just for a moment, not even for a lifetime, but for an eternity. But in order for that to happen, this problem of sinfulness had to be dealt with once and for all. God knew that there was nothing we could do to fix this problem for ourselves, so he did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He came to us in Jesus Christ, the great high priest, and by his own blood made an eternal sacrifice for our sins. And that veil separating us from God was torn in two, from top down. It was God's action, not our own. This veil which covered the Holy of Holies, keeping us out of the access of God. This veil that covers the sin of our hearts. As the hymn tells us, he opened the life gates that all may come in. So friends, let our hearts be filled with great joy today. This is what Christ has done for us. And using the words of the writers of the writer of Hebrews, let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, with confidence, and there receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. The way has been opened for us by Jesus himself, the one we call Savior and Lord, the one who is our great prophet, priest, and king. And for this we say, thanks be to God. Amen. And let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you have recognized our need and our inability to address it, to fix it, by your own son and by his sacrifice for our sakes. You have restored us to that relationship with you and with those around us which we desire and even more so which you desire. May we live into and out of this promise always giving you thanks. We offer this in the name of the one who is our prophet, priest, and king, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. You're listening to Sunday with Tab a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab Podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org, tap on the graphic marked Sermons, and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indy. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabpres.org. That's T-A-B. PRES.org. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab.